a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Hello friends and welcome. Thanks so much for listening. For centuries, believers have compared our spiritual life in the Lord to two of the bodies of water in biblical Israel, and that's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee, as you know, is full of life, and we have stories of Jesus and his disciples catching lots of fish there. And the Dead Sea is void of life. There's nothing alive in the Dead Sea except for a few microbes that scientists have uh, more recently found, microscopic life, but um, no large life forms at all. No plants can grow there. No fish can live in the Dead Sea. And that is because the Dead Sea is the lowest point on the earth. And so the water that flows into the Dead Sea cannot flow out. It can only evaporate. So the water evaporates, leaving behind the minerals in the water, the salts in the water. And over time, it has just gotten saltier and saltier because it has no outflow. And so the parallel that we can learn from this is that our spiritual lives can be like that, that in our spiritual lives, we need to have both inflow and we need to have outflow lest we become like the Dead Sea. Now, there's no scripture that really points to this illustration, but I think we do find a similar concept in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we can discover this connection in the same way that we Uh, are called to live out fruitful lives. That's when we're fulfilled as human beings, that we want to be fruitful people. And just being poured into, just receiving, actually causes us to be less fulfilled than we are, than we're both receiving and giving. In the mindset of the world, when you give away something, you become poorer. Like You have less because you gave. But in the mindset of the kingdom of God, when you give, you actually increase. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we get Paul quoting Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And we see this also reflected in the Proverbs. In Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And Paul lays this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he talks about whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's describing the one who who trusts in the Lord. Then in verse 10, Paul says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So Paul was taking an offering. So he was telling the people, when you give your offering to us and we deliver it to the church in Jerusalem, it's going to result in thanksgiving uh, being given to God. He says it's going to do it through us because they were the ones carrying the offering. But his point was that when you give, you actually increase. And so the world says when you give, you you decrease. In the kingdom of God, it says no, when you give, you increase. And so being fruitful and having an outlet for our lives to give of our talents, to give of our time, to give of our treasure, to share everything that the Lord has blessed us with, we actually become more blessed and more alive, and we experience more of the life of God when we have an outlet. And contrary to that, when we are like the Dead Sea and we're just receiving, we're just being poured into, eventually that becomes a very frustrating life. And I think can can even cause stress in our lives because we want to be fruitful. We want to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I think when we, we're not taking the action that God has called us to, it produces this uneasiness in us, this uh, depression or this stress. And I think those are symptoms of uh, something that something is not right in us. And we should, you know, work out why is it that I feel frustrated or depressed or, you know, not as alive as I should as a disciple of Jesus. And one cause could be that I am not pouring out the way that I should be. And I'm just being poured into. Now, the the opposite can also be true. We can get to a place where we're giving so much that we are not being filled up. You know, and there were occasions when the Lord would say to his disciples, Come away with me to a quiet place. And the disciples had to be, you know, had to withdraw from ministry, from from giving, to be recharged again. And we see the same thing in Jesus that he often withdrew to lonely places, to pray and to to have that time alone with God and to, to let his spirit be energized and be filled up through his connection with the Lord, through prayer and through communing with God. And so we need both of those. But I'd like to go back to that verse in John 15, because I think it's really interesting when we dig into the Greek behind this verse. And one of my favorite tools for digging into the Greek is Blue Letter Bible. So if we uh, go to Blue Letter Bible and we put John 15, 2 into it. I want to dig into this verse where he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And I want us to look at this phrase that he takes it away. Now, this is a phrase in the Greek. And so we can look it up in Blue Letter Bible. It's a Strong's number G142, and it's Aero in the Greek. And so if we click on the Strong's number in Blue Letter Bible, it takes us to all the ways that this word is translated in the scripture. So 32 times it's take up, 25 times take away, 25 times take away with, to lift up, four times to bear, and then it's translated eight different ways that aren't listed here. But what I want us to consider is, is it possible that in this verse, Jesus is saying that the vine keeper, if there's a branch that doesn't bear fruit, that the vine keeper lifts up that branch. Because he's talking about branches in me. 
And so he's saying, if there's a branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, and since we, we can say that this is a legitimate translation of the Greek behind this verse, to say that the branches that don't bear fruit, he lifts up like a vine dresser would take a branch on a grapevine and perhaps lift it up and attach it to a trellis so that it could be elevated, so that it could bear more fruit. Maybe it needs more sunshine. Maybe it needs to be supported so that it could bear more fruit. Now, later on in verse 6, he contrasts the branches in verse 2, because in verse 2, he's talking about every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Let's say, just for argument's sake, it says that he lifts it up, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So verse 2 is talking about the branches in him. And then in verse 6, he's contrasting, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So the contrast then is those people who want to abide in Christ, those people who want to be connected to Jesus, they want Jesus Christ to be their king. They want Jesus to reign over them. They want connection with the Lord. That would be one kind of branch. And then in verse 6, there are branches that don't want to abide in the Lord. They don't want Jesus to be their king. They don't want that connection with Christ and to be submitted to him and to have his life flowing through them. They would be thrown away. But the branches that don't bear fruit, those branches are lifted up. And the branches that are bearing fruit, God prunes those branches and makes them even more fruitful. And I really think that this interpretation of these verses is consistent with the picture of Jesus that we see in the Bible. In Matthew uh, chapter 12, it's talking about how Jesus is fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when it says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. So Christ is for us. God is for us. And sometimes we get this picture of a God who's just waiting for us to mess up, uh, hoping maybe even that we would mess up, that he might be able to cut us off. And that is not at all the way we see Christ. And the way we see Christ interacting with sinners in the New Testament was that, you know, compassion for people and compassion for sinners. And it's the sick that need a doctor. And it's the lost that he came to seek and to save. And so God is, you know, God is for us. God wants us to follow him and God wants us to be fruitful even more than we want it ourselves. Now, that does not deny the reality that some people still reject God despite all of his goodness. Um, the reason that I don't believe in universalism is not because I don't believe completely in the goodness of God. It's that I believe that there are some people who are so proud and so stubborn that they will never, even for all of eternity, want to bow their knee and call Jesus their king freely and have him reign over them. And I think God is only honoring the desire of people's hearts. Uh, even as we see God, desire, God honored um, the people of Israel's desire to have a king in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, where the people of Israel are asking God for a king. And, and it, you know, Samuel is indignant. Samuel's upset about it. And God says, no, it's not you that they've rejected. It's me. Go ahead and give them what they want. And that is astounding that God is, um, he honors people so much. And that is what love is about, you know, that there's freedom in love to be rejected. And God holds himself out to humanity. Almighty God, our creator, holds himself out to us 
in a way that allows us even to reject him. And so I'm not saying uh, that not any branches are ever thrown away or or Jesus is not um, talking about a time of judgment because I believe there is that judgment for those who will not abide in Christ, for those who reject the kingship of Jesus, who don't want Jesus to reign over them. If you don't want Jesus to reign over you, heaven is not the place for you. Um, But I think there's no reason for those who do want Jesus to be their king. There's no reason for those people who do want to bear fruit to be anxious about uh, John 15, 2, where it says, uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, only to discover the invitation that God is inviting us to live this fruitful life in Christ and to step into that and to realize that uh, when we're not bearing fruit, we're missing out on God's blessings and we're missing out on all of those verses that I just read about. You know, it's better to give than to receive and the way that God is able to multiply back to us um, everything that we offer to him. So I just want to leave you with those thoughts and I pray that you are blessed. I pray that your life is like the Sea of Galilee. It has water coming in and water going out and it's full of life that you also had the Lord's life being poured into you and you had the Lord's life flowing out of you that the Holy Spirit in you becomes a wellspring of living water and it flows out of you and it brings life to everyone around you. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If the podcast is a blessing to you, I would invite you to take your favorite episodes and send it to a few friends and just see if it might be a blessing to them. I've also started posting little song clips on Instagram at d6createworship if you want to find me over there. God bless you. And every stream that flows we hear Your tenderness And every star that glows And every cell that grows is clear Your excellence God, you're beautiful